Hey guys, well, welcome to the first iteration of MK Speaks. Uh, we're very excited tonight and coming up in the upcoming videos to present to you some things, some topics that are very close to our heart, but also very hopefully very practical and encouraging for you as members of the creative economy. And I am super excited tonight to welcome some friends of mine. We are talking about the creative economy and how we become successful or we remain successful or we start to be successful in the creative economy. And so we're talking about entrepreneurship tonight. And I am so happy to be joined by three of my dear friends who are actively working in the creative economy. Uh, Joe Hernandez will be joining us tonight from JMH Media and Tiffany and Conrad Baer, who are not only do they work their own casting agency in their own voice studio, but they are full-time working members of Sight and Sound Theater in Branson, Missouri. And I'm gonna let them introduce themselves, but uh, one of the things we really wanna talk with you about tonight is our successes, our struggles, finding, refining, I guess, our why, why are we doing this? And then how to do it in such a way that it fulfills us emotionally, musically, theatrically, spiritually, and monetarily. And uh, how is it that we continue to have this fire for what we do, yet still remain successful, hopefully, in what we do? So I want to let my friends introduce themselves. Guys, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. We've got some things on the books to talk about tonight, but Joe, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Joe Hernandez. Uh, I uh, am the owner of JMH Media. It's a branding and marketing company. In addition to that, I'm also the senior manager of marketing and communications for a company called CGI in the corporate world. Uh, I've been doing branding and marketing now for, I guess for myself, for at least over a decade, but full time in the marketing arena, um, I guess over the last year, and then JMH Media, I've had for about five years now, um, working with different artists, actually the artists that are on tonight are as an educator. So uh, that's a little bit about me um, and kind of my story. Real quick, I've you know, got an MFA in directing from the University of Southern Mississippi, um, was a full-time performer and director in both the academic and the professional world prior to going into the marketing arena. Um, and then I have a, a degree in performance, theater performance as well. So that's a little bit about me. Super. Tiffany Conrad, introduce yourself. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm Tiffany Renee Bear. And uh, like Dr. Kyle said, I currently work as a full-time cast member at Sight and Sound Theater in Branson. Conrad and I have been here for five years, a little over five years, which is awesome. We love it here. Um, it's pretty awesome getting to, you know, getting paid to play as we all love. Um, in addition to that, I have, I do serve as a casting director in Southwest Missouri and uh, even beyond there. I've cast some spots in Florida. I'm about to do one in Dallas. So that's exciting. Things are expanding, which is cool. I also work when I'm not uh, on stage. I do work as an on-camera artist and as a voice artist. So we have an in-home voiceover studio called Bear Studio. And we work remotely out of here. I also do a lot of user-generated content, which we'll talk a little bit more about later because uh, the field is ripe for the harvest. So <laughs> if you want to do it, it's time. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of backstory of kind of what led me here. Also teacher and coach, hybrid performer and teacher, as DK likes to say. Um, I got my undergraduate degree from Cedarville University in music education and in theater, uh, minor in theater, but mainly vocal music education left being a highly qualified licensed teacher, put myself through grad school by teaching. I taught middle and high school choir and theater and also 
though performed, don't know when I slept, but somewhere in there I got sleep and finished my master's degree with a master of music in vocal performance, after which I um, went back to performing full time and then went back to teaching and then back to performing. And anyway, it's been a juggling of both, but now I perform full time and have in my own private studio. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'm Conrad Bear, Tiffany's husband. And I, I too work on the cast at Sight and Sound Theaters. I get to uh, be on the cast as well as vocal direct uh, currently, which is a lot of fun. And uh, and do the voiceover thing as well. Um, I, I've gotten into doing audiobooks as part of that, as well as traditional voiceover, as well as on-camera commercials. And um, our stories mirror each other a little bit. We we met in undergrad at Cedarville University. I was I actually got a Bachelor of Arts in Music. Uh, in order to be able to get some other electives that I really wanted to take. So I just kind of, I kind of cherry picked the stuff that I wanted to do um, outside of my requirements for the BA, more music, and then also a lot of other stuff, including electronic media and theater and stuff like that. And, uh, and then got a master's in voice performance at the University of North Texas, uh, which I, which I loved. It was great. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like her went to, I moved to New, we moved to the New Northeast. We were living in New, New York, New Jersey and uh, did performing and teaching privately there. And then was a full-time teacher for almost five years and then joined the cast at Sight and Sound and Branson. And yeah, we love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys know me. If not, I'm Marianne Kyle and I taught in academia for over 20 years, but uh, now I have actually my own private studio. We'll talk about that later. I'm very excited about that. But I also teach a lot of workshops and particularly dealing with cross-training and various styles of music. Uh, but I also have developed this passion for working with uh, professors, with teachers, particularly those who have gone through various stages of burnout and I've worked with them on rediscovering their joy for performing and how that factors into their teaching. And I'm very pleased and proud to say that I work with all three of these individuals. And, like, yeah. and it's it's a beautiful life, a beautiful life. So yeah. about that. So what I, I what I want to ask you guys is this: what, you know, we talk about this creative economy and and how it doesn't look like your regular nine to five job at the hardware store or the corporation or whatever. But did you guys, when you began this work in the creative economy, did you feel prepared? I mean, did you take any courses? Did anybody ever say to you, this is how you do this the right way? I mean, did you have any resources? So tell me about when you entered the creative economy, what was it like? Yeah, I can hop in. As I, was, I, I think about that question and I think, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I felt for a long time that I really wish colleges in the arts uh, did more in that area. And so I think when I was hopping into college, I my philosophy was just learn from the people around you. I really respected the professors that I had in our undergrad. And one of my philosophies was just, you know, take a finance class and just learn how this person does life and how they do, you know, how they live out uh their life my faith is really important to me and so that was part of it. it was like how do they how do they walk out their faith in their life uh through what they're doing even in finance you know kind of thing so i took some classes there but it wasn't targeted on performance or entre being entrepreneurial as a creative per se and so then outside of that i think as i think back a lot of my training would have been very focused on just getting better at the craft which i think is really important obviously uh, but the whole, the other side of it is really important too, to being wise and knowing how to, to 
to earn money doing what you're doing. So yeah, it's been picky for me. It's been workshops more focused on getting better at the craft and then picking up, you know, little tidbits along the way, as far as the financial end of things go and talking to people that I know that I respect that are successful, things like that. Yeah. I would tag off of that too. Actually, we, we didn't talk about the answer to that ahead of time, but everything he says is exactly what I would mirror. Um, I would say my simple answer to, did I feel prepared as an entrepreneur to jump into performing Yes and no, kind of at the same time. Um, I would say as a teacher, I was very prepared to go into a classroom, to interview, to be ready, to be an excellent, excellent teacher. And there were aspects as a performer that I think I was decently prepared for. And there were aspects that I think I was very much learning by the seat of my pants, you know, flying by the seat of my pants and learning on the fly. And I talk about this a lot, even especially now with actors that I'm hiring, even actors at the theater who are uh, theater actors who are interested in on camera and things like that. I was not trained for on-camera work. I know there are a lot of wonderful colleges that now cross-train and that's awesome. But back when we were in college, that wasn't really as common. So I didn't take on-camera classes. I took theater classes, but yet I've been working on camera for 15 years and it's something I love, but I definitely learned trial by fire. Like I learned how to take my theater background and it was in auditions, getting feedback from directors and on jobs, on sets that I learned, oh, um, the eyebrows are, are too involved. We got to tone that down. And even on the business side, no, we, we'd had no classes, even in grad school on how do you do a budget? How do you do your taxes as a performer? Because that's a nightmare. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like that's crazy. Um, even things like understanding if you're going to move to New York City or any major regional theater area, equity versus non-equity, how do you navigate when you're non-equity? How do you earn your EMC points? Do you want to earn your EMC points? Like, how do you make those decisions? These are things that I hope that colleges are more aware of now, and I think a lot of them are. But I do think that as performers, we spend so much time in the fight to be good performers that we are not trained the way we really should be to be good business people as well, which is kind of the running joke. That's like, I'm a musician because I'm not good at math, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I mean, it's true, but also it means that for me, it's been the same kind of thing. It's been a lot of having to, as a professional, be proactive and do a ton of research. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm a research nerd, so I enjoy that. But it's been asking a lot of questions and not being afraid to ask questions of people around you, people who are in it with you, people who are 10 years ahead of you. Um, and I think that's so important. But I do yeah. really wish that there was more available back when we were starting mm -hmm. out, um, which is certainly why I try to help as many people as I can from the things that I've learned. And honestly, we're still learning. Like we're still, Absolutely. we'll talk more about this later, but there's still yeah. some business stuff that we've learned this year that we're like, we're taking some new steps because of some expansion with our business that we had to call some people up mm -hmm. and say, I don't know what to do. What do I do? Sure. Um, yeah, because we just didn't know. So mm -hmm. yeah, yes and no, more no than yes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, to, to piggyback off of them as well, um, I, I would echo for me in my undergrad, I was definitely prepared to go into teaching. And that's exactly what I did. As soon as I graduated, you know, undergrad, I went in as a high school theater teacher. Uh, and then I, they had a journalism and media class that I, I taught as well. And so as, you know, Tiffany Conrad said, I absolutely was prepared for that, but to be able to make money as an artist outside of that, no, you know, and regarding classes, there wasn't really, I, I was always the, the student 
that my professors relied on to be the tech person. Um, and I kind of leaned into that to say, all right, I like technology. I've always been a fan of, you know, a particular brand of computer and um, that was creative for me. And I just leaned into it. And it wasn't until there came a season in my life and teaching that I felt like I could be a storyteller through the lens of a computer or through the lens of a website um, or photographing, you know, people for, for headshots. And so that's how I leaned into it. One, there was a need for money, full transparency, right? Mm -hmm. Like I needed to bring additional income, but there was also was a need to be creative. Um, and as Tiffany talked about, those things weren't taught. Even when I was in graduate school, now granted this was, you know, over 10 years ago that I was in grad school, but they didn't offer those things to fully prepare you. They taught us how to be performers or musicians. Mm -hmm. They didn't prepare us to be the entrepreneur artist that we needed to be. Um, and it, it for me, I called a friend of mine that was uh, an accountant and I said, how do I do my taxes? Like, how, how do I be an artist? And how do I make it where I don't have to pay later on? <laughs> I know, right? Um, now I'm at a point, you know, where I have an accountant that I just thankfully helps me with that because it, it's overwhelming. But um, yeah, that's, uh, yes and no, very much like Tiffany and Conrad mentioned. It's, it's interesting too, you guys said a couple of things that I think are amazing. One is that you were not afraid to ask other people for advice and opinions. And so the value I think of mentorship in what we do now in the creative economy after we, the four of us have come through our journey, I think the value of turning around and being able to mentor others in the, in, in the information that we've learned and the experiences we've had, I think is so such a great way to give back. And most of us don't know what we need to do, but what we do, just like Joe was talking about, is we fall into something that interests us that then becomes a passion. And because it becomes a passion for us, then we invest in it. And a lot of what we end up doing now that we love doing that is a part of how we pay our bills, but also how we keep ourselves happy is something that we fell into that we didn't intend to fall into when we were 18 years old, but it just happened and it happened to fit with what we were doing. You're like, oh, this is great. And I think that's probably one of my biggest things I say to students all the time is, you know, right now at 18 and 19, what you love to do. But understand that over time, other passions are going to develop that will feed into that as well. And not to be afraid that that pulls you off task. So I think sometimes they think, oh, no, I have to end up at the Met or I have to be <clears throat> on Broadway. <clears throat> and they don't realize that some of these other passions really will feed their soul and pay their rent at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. And yeah, that's a great point. Uh, for sure. Well, uh, one of the things, of course, you know, we've just come through this pandemic. I guess if we have, um, we've definitely come through the worst parts of it. And so we were all, all four of us were working prior to the pandemic. And then we, of course, lived through the pandemic. Tell me how, in your estimation from your experience, how things were in the creative economy for you before the pandemic, how the pandemic changed that for you. And then what is it like now? I mean, what are some of the things you're having to deal with now post-pandemic that are different than you did pre-pandemic? I mean, if y'all are okay with it, I'll start. Um, yeah, go for it. Is, uh, for me, it was interesting that pre-pandemic, while I was working creatively with my company, JMH Media, it, it, it wasn't where it is today. And full transparency, you know, when the pandemic hit, people recognized particularly artists and companies after the, the main 
kind of, I would say 2020, once we got the vaccines and things of that nature and things started opening back up again, people realized I need to have, a. I can't bring people in all the time and I need to be able to still see the work. And so for me, JMH Media, I had an influx. The creative economy for me grew to the point that I was having to turn, I think I only turned one client away, but it, it became so lucrative for me and fulfilling. You know, I created JMH Media because I recognized a need in the industry. In order for somebody to, to have a website built, it could be thousands of dollars. I, with the company that I work for in the corporate world, we got a quote the other day that it was 10 grand for a basic website, nothing fancy. And when I hear that, I think to myself, us as artists, it's not that, I mean, some people may be able to afford it, but I don't want people to have to pay for that, right? Like that, they shouldn't have to have quality visual representation online to have to break the bank. And so when it grew, I was able to honestly lower costs, just like you would do any product when you, you know, were purchasing and, and a greater bulk of things, the cost per goods comes down. For me, when I had more people, I was able to hire contractors and all of my contractors that work for JMH Media are previous artists in some capacity. Um, and it was important for me to give back some of four room students, et cetera. But it, the economy with the pandemic actually helped my thing grow. Since we've kind of moved on from it, I've still come to the point that as, I mean, Tiffany and Conrad are, in my opinion, just geniuses at the, how they've taken, because I remember when we first met where they've come to where they are today is just amazing. The growth, particularly in the film voiceover work that is just, it's foreign to me, but I know, okay, well, Tiffany can build this reel. I'll make sure I know how to market it, but she's creating this content or Conrad is. And for me, I recognize that it's not just a need that one person has. I think it's a tool that all of us need to be aware of. Um, and so I've been able to continue to give back. And so I've been able to say, all right, I, I'm not going to take on this client because I want to invest in somebody else. Maybe it's a younger artist that's just starting out. Um, so the pandemic for me, really, I benefited. Uh, I know that sounds bad, but I benefited from what was going on. Um, yeah, so that's the short for me. Yeah. All right. What about it, guys? Yeah, gosh, I honestly, in a different uh, sphere, because I don't do branding, actually, Joe did my branding, and it's amazing. So um, it was very overdue. And it's awesome. Yeah, it great. So yeah, it's phenomenal. I couldn't be happier. But um, not in the branding scheme of things, but very much in the on camera and in the voiceover world and stuff, I actually would echo the same thing. And, and this is not just exclusive to me, but I would say one of the biggest things that I've noticed as an artist, as an, as a casting director post pandemic, now that we have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, especially TikTok, it has truly changed the face of uh, how we do media, even as marketing companies, uh, companies that I do casting for and myself as an actor. Um, in January, when we were off from rehearsals, I went ahead and re-upped my backstage account because I was like, oh, I've got three weeks off. You know, during the pandemic, we actually filmed a couple of remote spots. So I thought, well, maybe there's some more remote work out there. I had no idea it has blown up. Like, I can't even tell you how blown up, blown up it is. It's just absolute insanity. So a huge part of what I've done this year has been content creation or UGC, user-generated content. And I work 
from home. And I now am casting UGC as well with one of the companies that I work for about an hour away where we're, we're, you know, hiring actors from all across the US as well, where somebody sends me a product and I'm doing a product demo. Sometimes they're scripted, sometimes they're not, sometimes I'm editing the whole thing. But I've, I've made a significant income this year from UGC, not because I'm an influencer, because I'm not, but because I am a person who also has acting skills. And so then I've been hired to be the face of a product. And it's something that I love to do. And the work is so plentiful. I, I think that's the, the very interesting thing to me is that the thrust for remote work, we were already starting to see that happen, especially because I think the trend with especially millennials, you know, people our age in their thirties, mid thirties, approaching 40, you know, with families and stuff, were wanting more flexibility in their schedules. Mm -hmm. And so remote work was becoming more of a thing, but it's absolutely blown. Like the roof is just blown off um, since the pandemic happened, where now companies that maybe were reticent to have remote work are really seeing that it's possible mm -hmm. and it can work well because of the pandemic forcing everyone to work remotely. So honestly, that's where it's like the harvest is ripe for remote work, whether it's as an artist or sometimes even in other jobs. Copywriters are huge right now. There's so there's such a huge need for copywriters, you know, for writing online stores and e-trade communities that need people to write. So that's another way that as an artist, if maybe you're not someone who wants to be in front of a camera, but you're good at writing and you're good at creative writing look at some copywriting. You can work from home. You know, it's amazing. And there's so many other degrees now that are online and, and have remote jobs. So that's something that I think is very different. Um, that while there was some remote happening, remote work is huge, especially for artists. Uh, there's just a lot to be had. So that is also a blessing that has come out of the pandemic, which again, is kind of like, oh, that feels bad to say, but at the same time, it's really wonderful. And I'm really thankful for it. So yeah. yeah. That's the biggest thing. I mean, the biggest thing I was going to bring up was the online push mm -hmm. has felt it's, it's shifted. It's like, it, I think a lot of us recognize that, that there's more opportunities online. There's more things like that that are done online. Like she was saying, I feel like even with commercials and the user generated content, a lot of companies are looking more for the selfie style videoing mm -hmm. for their branding. And so that, that changes the scope of it, makes it more accessible to people like all of us as well which is interesting. And I think the biggest thing for me, I think it was, it was thinking about challenges uh, before the pandemic and then leading into it. I think we were, we were at sight and sound. We were enjoying what we were doing before the pandemic. And I think for me, the pandemic mixed it up. So in some ways it helped us have time to think, have a few more hours to think creatively about some of these projects that we've been pursuing more since then. And then, like she said, the need kind of rose as well. And as Joe was saying as well, so it all kind of played together. It kind of, it mixed it up <laughs> for yeah. all of us in good and bad ways. Yeah. And, um, but in some positive ways as well. So, yeah. And we're going to bookmark that conversation about social media, because that's going to come back around when we talk about it. In a and I, what I wanted to, to kind of add to the conversation with what you guys have been talking about is that I was still full-time teaching at a university and I had already been working in Zoom and I had been doing some digital things, you know, probably at the beginning level. But the big thing that happened when we all went through the pandemic was that most of the folks that were my age were not necessarily very much, were not necessarily savvy in terms of using technology to their advantage. And I'm, I have many colleagues who actually retired out of the pandemic because they were asked to learn new new things in terms of, of technology and they just felt like they couldn't. And I can tell you that I have an understanding of that because there's a portion of me every time I pick up some new piece of equipment like my camera I have right now, 
where I'm like, ah, I don't. <laughs> but you know what? My best and most practical advice from an old broad who's who doesn't do math and is scared of technology is there is a YouTube video out there for everything. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Probably created by uh, content creators. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. There's something out there. And to just not be afraid to take steps forward and in, into the unfamiliar, particularly if it serves what you're doing well. The other the other thing I noticed, of course, is that when we came through the pandemic, there was a lot of emotional to and fro about how what we do emotionally as artists was going to transmit via sort of digital media. And I have been actually exactly what you said, Tiffany. I have been shocked at how much what we do digitally has reached people in such a profound and pronounced way. And so a lot of what I do is telling my students, you know, you are still really able to reach people in a meaningful way. You just need to know what works for you and, and seeking out your mentors to find that. So, all right. Well, I want to go on and talk a little bit about something that all four of us know really well, and then we're going to move into some nuts and bolts, so hopefully some practical advice. But all four of us have been in academic settings <laughs> and are now out of academic settings. It's all been, for each of us, it's been for different reasons. And so talk to me a little bit about what advice you have for people who are in academic settings right now and for whatever reason. I mean, talk about your own experience or for whatever reason, they're really struggling right now to not be burned out and to really continue to have that spark and that why. So talk to me about that. I can hop in on this. I, so when I was teaching and transitioning from teaching, um, I was, I was starting to feel burned out. And I, I guess I want to preface it by saying that giving back what I've been given, the teaching I've been given and being able to help others through their life journey, it's teaching singing and music in particular, really arts in general, I feel like I feel very strongly is not only about the craft, but about walking alongside of people in their life journey. And that's been so true in my life. And right as I was in, I was starting to get burned out and there were some interests that I had. I was like, I would be great to perform at Sight and Sound in particular. And I was interested in teaching college. So it was kind of rolling those things around and then sight and sound came. But right before um, I had the opportunity to, to work with Dr. Kyle in a, a teaching fellowship that just uh, your, what we talked about in that summer changed everything for me. I went back to teaching and, and the whole idea of bringing empathy to the classroom and to the studio where you're caring for your students uh, in that way and you're you're just really cognizant of where they're at just what what they're giving you and that whole ball of wax and how that plays into taking care of yourself as a performer and allowing yourself as a teacher to find those outlets not to apologize for them not to feel bad that you're not performing full-time but to realize that we're artists and we teach and we perform and it doesn't fit in this nice it doesn't doesn't have to fit in this little box um all of that was just transformational so, yeah. Yeah. I think something that I love that you are very passionate about, Dr. Kyle, that we have become extra passionate about because of your influence in our lives is that whole concept of remembering the why. And I think especially when you're in a position that's very, I mean, let's be honest, academia is incredibly stressful. <laughs> like it is 
I think yeah. way more stressful than being a freelance performer, to be completely honest, different type of stressful, but for me, it was more stressful in a lot of ways. Um, and it takes a lot out of you when you are continuously pouring out yourself, your soul into your students, into your colleagues. And when you're giving, 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 it's very easy to forget how important it is for you to stay creative. So always remembering that why. And one of the things that I love that was so transformational for me, because at the time when we met and we worked in Germany, um, I had transitioned out of teaching full time and was back to freelancing. And honestly, I was very happy with my career. I was very happy with my career on stage, was very happy with my private teaching. I wouldn't have felt like I didn't remember the why or things like that. I actually was in a really good place. But there were things that I didn't realize I hadn't addressed in my own performing um, that were carrying into my teaching that I just didn't realize things about negative labels that I had assigned to myself, or I had accepted that somebody else had assigned to myself that were limiting me. And I didn't even know it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that causes you to not be able to give fully to your students. And one of the things that was so transformational for me, you had said the comment of when you are practicing in particular, don't practice as a teacher practice as a performer mm -hmm. and man that's just it's just so that's so revolutionary because I think as teachers it's so easy for us to be like well I'm the teacher it has to be right and it has to be this and this and this and this because I'm leading these students and so if I don't get it right I can't help them get it right and and we really put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be something that we are not created to be as performers we're created to be just as creative as the next person like that's that's what makes us good teachers is that we are joyful, free performers. And so the whole idea of embracing the hybrid, the fact that I was both and fully embracing it and the fact that they walked hand in hand together really helped me rediscover that joy. And just being able to pull out music and not worry about the notes having to be perfect and the language to having to be perfect, but being able to pull it out and just have fun and remember that what I love is to perform. Like that's my first love is performing. So being able to be a teacher performer that that is this and not I'm a teacher and a performer. No, I'm both. Um, that was, was just huge for me and infused so much more joy into my teaching and into my performing. And it's definitely changed the way I perform and the way I teach big time in both arenas. And I think my students would say they see the difference. So yeah, it's been huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just I'm listening to Conrad and Tiffany reminded me of just the journey I've been on since I met, you know, Marianne. And when I studied with her, Dr. Kyle, there was something that I'll never forget that played into both my teaching and then walking away as well. Um, for me, it was bigger than it. While the why was important, full transparency, I, I use that word a lot because I like being just, just completely honest. I was a graduate student getting my MFA in directing and I was doing a show and Dr. Kyle was the vocal coach. I was able to continue studying with her. I didn't I didn't pay for this class. She didn't ask me for anything extra. She invested in me. And I'll never forget that because it it very much carries into me being the artist, but the entrepreneur that I am today, because there's sometimes that people just can't afford certain things. And we, I believe each of us on the call have been given a gift, right? That from above that is said, we are gifted both as performers, directors, clinicians, teachers, and when I went into academic, the academic world, being a full-time professor, I saw that 
the thing that was missing was passion from a lot of artists. And whoever's watching this today, these educators, you're an educator out there that very much is like, maybe have been doing it 20 years as Dr. Kyle talked about. I'd been teaching 15 years when I walked away a year ago. Um, and you become complacent sometimes and satisfied because you think this is, well, this is all it can do. But I learned very quickly, I have so much more. And the pandemic for me, you know, Tiffany and Conrad, I believe y'all's timing, y'all walked away from teaching right before the pandemic started or maybe a year or so before. For me, I was in the midst of it. And I'll never forget 2020, I accepted another full-time teaching position, moved to what I would have considered the dream job. Nothing could have prepared me to be an educator and an artist in that arena for what I had to endure. The, the, the frustrations and the challenges, and Tiffany, to Tiffany's point earlier, it, it is harder than being a full-time performer or director. Mm -hmm. It was overwhelming. And I wasn't, I couldn't find my joy no matter where I went, no matter what I did, no matter what show I was directing. What I found was the only time that I was finding joy, it was when I was giving back to somebody, to a student. And there was a time last, it was a year ago this November that I said, actually it was a year ago today, I was on a plane to see my mom who was in the hospital. She was diagnosed with stage four liver failure. And I remember being on the plane thinking, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna care for my mom? I'm a teacher and I'd labeled myself and other people had labeled myself as, well, you're not a director anymore. You're not an artist or performer anymore. You're a teacher and that's all you are. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm so much more than that title. I, I know that I can do more than that. And I am somebody that, like I believe everyone on this call is, I'm not afraid of, of saying, I'm gonna step outside the boat and say, I, I'm just gonna go for it. Uh, now my wife was a little more reserved and like, how are we gonna pay for things, right? Um, I just knew that God would provide for me and that that job would come. And it has through the work that I've done. I miss moments of the academic world, but at the end of the day, I miss the students. I don't miss, I miss being able to daily work with certain colleagues, but then I have moments like this tonight that I'm reminded of, we're still so connected mm -hmm. through technology that we're only a phone call or a Zoom away. And so for those other teachers like us that are still in it, it's never too late. That's the other like kind of last piece that I give. You can always step away. It takes a lot of hard work, but everybody on this call, we are so driven and passionate you know, my thought is pick up the phone and give us a call. We'll, we'll light a fire under you if you want it. You know what I mean? So those are my thoughts. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I think, so. And I think there's so much creativity in what we're sharing about tonight. And just in this particular moment of us all being together, some of us reminiscing about our, our connections, but also remembering the things that fired us up in the first place. And to be honest with you, I think those things transcend the job. I mean, you can be in an institution or you can be out on your own, but those are the qualities that are with us regardless of where we are. And I know some people will say, well, you know, a full-time job, if you need a full-time job if you you know, happy people are employed people. And I challenge them now after being in an academic setting for 23 years, you know, it, you basically are you, whether you are at an institution or a theater yeah. or out on your own, your gifts and your will to, to do things and your heart and your talent go with you. And I think wherever you are, 
you, we tend in the academic setting to get enmeshed in all of the politics of things that go on and all the paperwork and all the committee work. And what that does is just like with performers who get burnout, it starts to cover up that why and we forget that it's there. And I think it's a struggle sometimes, but we have to remember with, with wherever we are, whether it's in a theater or our own business or an academic unit, that we are still who we are and we still need to operate there first and let that move out from us because that continues to keep us fulfilled on the inside. But of course, you all four of us know how that moves out into our students and those that we're mentoring, whether they're our students or not. So I think it's powerful to remember why yeah. we live in that arena. So absolutely. Well, let me ask another question. So, um, Joe, we've been talking about marketing and branding, and I know Tiffany and Conrad can chime in on this, but I want you to talk about, there's a couple of things. We have, we have encounter a lot of young people. We're going to talk about risk here in a minute and <laughs> investing, but we talk about, you know, the importance of marketing and branding, and we, of course, talk about social media's role in all of this. What do people need to know about marketing and branding? What do they need to know about strategies that have changed since the pandemic and you know more importantly the when they're beginning to invest in themselves in terms of marketing and branding what are the important things they need to know and what do they need to invest and i think yeah. importantly is also how does social media play into all of this and work with our marketing and branding yeah great question tiffany and i were just talking about a piece of this the other day regarding headshots yep. um and i taught a master class last week with a college in louisiana where I brought this up, the idea of investing in yourself. And so the the first thing that comes to mind are the two things that I think you absolutely have to have um, are a clean, solid resume uh, for those first starting out and then a solid headshot. Um, and then if you're a character actor, or even if you're not having multiple, um, having variations of the, the headshot, even different backgrounds that, you know, sometimes tells a different story, which leads me into the marketing side of things is you have to be able to tell your story through the lens of your headshot um, and through the lens of your resume. No longer are the days, and this is both for the teaching world as well, uh, because I have a lot of clients that work um, that are saying, hey, I want to go into academia and I'm going to support you as an artist, whatever direction you want to take. But the thing is, uh, having served on faculty search committees, I know I don't want to just see the same Times New Roman. You need to do something that helps you stand out, but it's not crazy. Um, so those are the first two things, the headshot, a clean headshot and resume. And just in, again, to, to reiterate, this should be, a, it goes without saying, but the thing Tiffany and I talked about, we don't want to see it a, a headshot done on an iPhone. While the iPhone's camera is great and, and has a lot of great tools, you need to invest in yourself. Um, and the piece that I, I'd love to just give to somebody, there was an artist that I took a group of students to New York. Um, this was pre-pandemic when I was still teaching full time. And he gave one of the best piece of advice that I think I'd ever heard is the barter system. There are people that you have friends or connections that say, hey, I can't afford this because let's be real, some of us can't but I can do this. Yeah. So I am all about trading services. Like if somebody says, hey, I need new headshots, Joe, but I can offer to be a copywriter or I can offer to do this for your company, I will absolutely take them up on that. So that's something else that 
I would encourage people to think of when it comes to how do I ultimately, particularly young people, how do I get the things that I need, the headshot and the resume? Then moving into the branding and the marketing side of things, you have to remember that you are your own story. Each time I'm building a website, I, and I, I talked about this with Tiffany when we were rebranding her recently, Tiffany wears many hats as she, she talked about at the beginning. And for me, it was how can I tell Tiffany's story through that lens while it's not overwhelming? Because sometimes it's like, oh, well, a person wears a lot of hats. Maybe it doesn't, they don't know what they want to do. That's not the case for Tiffany. It was she clearly knew not only what she wanted to do, but she was successful and good at it. It was my job to help them market that, help her market that. And we we spent hours, I mean, going back and forth through this. But that's the beauty of you have to know your story to be able to tell it for someone else. And the days of like, oh, I'm just going to, I don't know, put something together. I remember when I first started building websites 10 years ago, the the pandemic and, and just society in general has shifted so much that your story needs to be clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many people that it, maybe you're a, a young ingenue, right? Or maybe you're this you know, this baritone. One of the things I remember when I was working with Conrad, um, gosh, now five years ago or something, he and I are both baritones. Now he's got a much bigger voice. He's definitely more trained, but he put power in me. But I also thought, man, if we ever went out to compete against the same role, right? Like there's different things. You have to be able to separate yourself and figure out what is your story. Then going back, um, tying into the social media thing, Tiffany touched on it a little bit ago. TikTok, you have to know the trends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so important nowadays. Me working with these, I work for a lot of nonprofits. A lot of the clients, both from JMH Media and then the corporate world, are nonprofit organizations. And then there's individual artists. And it's important for them to say, for me to be able to tell them, hey, here's the direction I think you need to go. Now, I always suggest it. I don't ever tell them you have to do this. With that said, we and I am still this way. We need to be willing to hear someone else that's taken the road already, maybe taken the wrong road and learn from it so that we know, hey, wait a second, Tiffany knows what she's talking about. Marianne or Joe, we need to listen to them. One of the things that I feel like with this generation of younger, you know, first starting out is full transparency. They, I feel like they know, they think they know it all. I was that person. Like I'm guilty of it, right? Oh, I don't need somebody's help. I need it. You know, but part of the marketing piece is growing organically and not paying for it. And here's the difference. Mm-hmm. I will, um, you know, one of the social things that's happened recently with particularly with the increase in TikTok is Facebook has had to adjust the way that they use their algorithm. So when 14 iOS 14.2 came out, the there's a, a tracking thing. I, I don't want to get into the weeds with it, but but the thing to know is that you have to, it's no longer just a picture. You have to incorporate some type of animation into the what you're posting because it'll your algorithm will sh- the algorithm will shift and get you more organic visibility, which costs you less, but your click-through rate is greater. These are all things that you need to have, need to. It's not so much that you have to have them. They're very good to know and you can you can post, you know, however that you want. But engagement and authenticity, I think, is always important. Something that I I got from you, Marianne, that I 
I still use today in every masterclass when I'm talking about branding is about be good people first. Your brand will grow in such an organic and powerful way would be kind. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like it's it's about being good people first. And don't go into something when you're marketing yourself thinking, well, I need this job or I need this role. You have to approach it in such an authentic, genuine way. I, I I've it's living proof. I've seen those that have amazing talent that haven't been successful and those that maybe aren't as talented that I'm building their website and branding that are just good hearted people. I've seen their success skyrocket. I have a former student that recently made their Broadway debut. They're just a good person and they work hard compared to this other people. That's a big thing. And you think, well, how does that play into marketing and my branding? It all goes back to your story. The story of who you are, the authenticity and the genuineness that you bring, it shines in every platform that you are on. People can see a fake when when they when they see it, right? And um, while I could give you tool after tool, that's probably the best piece of advice that I can offer both to educators who are teaching this next generation. And then that young generation is authenticity and then be kind to people, it will carry you a long way. And it's going to help your story when you are putting yourself out there on social media, everything from TikTok, you know, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. Hopefully I answered the question. I, I don't know if Tiffany and Conrad have thoughts on that or, you know, et cetera. What do you think, guys? Uh, no, that was amazing. I mean, it's great. Yeah. And, and yeah. we'll talk more when we talk about like things that you need to be successful about the headshots and stuff. Cause mm. I think that's really, really important as an actor, yeah. but also as a casting director, we definitely yeah. want to talk about that. Yeah. I, I think the only thing I would add, and this really is not so much about social media, but it is, I would consider it part of branding in a sense that it goes back to who you are is that I love and dread networking events. This is why I dread them. I love to network. First of all, let me say that I'm a big time. I'm a connector. Like yeah. there are some people that, just I have just learned some people are connectors like I, I'm here to be a conduit for oh Joe has this thing that this guy needs and they should yeah. be friends so I'm the one that connects them that that's just how I've been my whole life and for whatever reason I'm good at it and I love people and so that's part of it but um, I had a, a friend who's another actor and casting director who honestly I think this is one of the biggest compliments uh, as a human and as an artist that I've ever been given and what she said was you're so good at networking because you care about people. You're not out for business. Yeah. Like you're not networking with me as a multi-level marketing scheme. Like I know that when you're having a conversation with me, it's because you care about me first and then we're having a business conversation or we're collaborating, not competing. I think yeah. that's huge too. The whole yeah, idea of like this field is competitive. Every field is competitive. This one extra because it's very emotional because it's tied to you know us as people we can become so focused on being competitive that we lose our sense of collaboration. And honestly, this is a small world. Collaboration and community is so important with your fellow artists, with um, casting directors, with stage directors, with people that are doing your branding, with marketing managers, with production teams, with uh, crew backstage at yeah. the theater, like with the janitor, who's the one cleaning the toilets, everything. It's, it's so, so, so important to connect with people because at the end of the day, that's what we do. We are people who are here for people. Like that's what we do as creatives is we share, not for our own benefit. I mean, it does benefit us, 
but it's for someone else's benefit. And so I think that it's really important too, as you think about who you are and what your brand is and what you bring to the table, that we really, that whole be good people first thing is is so true, but also just remembering that if you're out to network or to get to know somebody because you want to kick back, again, fake. People can spot that a mile away. People don't want to hang out with people who are like that because it's draining and because you're selfish. But people love connecting with people who want to collaborate. And there have been so many times where I've gotten a phone call from someone who's like, hey, um, I have this friend who has this friend who needs a voiceover artist. Are you interested? And it's just because they knew that I'm a voice artist, but we didn't even work on voiceover stuff together. We worked on something else. And that has opened up so many doors for business opportunities, but also relationships, because now those people have become colleagues and friends. And so I know that if I get an email with a job offer, that's awesome. But I'm also going to ask them about how their personal life is because I care. You know, I care about the guy in Colorado working for Subaru because I think Colorado is awesome and we love it. You know, I want to know about people's lives because it's so this field is so much more than just the work. It's Mm. the people. And anyway, that would be the only thing I would add to that has nothing to do with social media except the whole like being real and being fake thing. I just think it's so important. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, this is refreshing to sit here and have this conversation. Cause I think <laughs> like, I, I'm the kind of guy who likes to go sit on a mountain. Yes, <laughs> so, I'm like, around that's, days. <laughs> so that's social media was never, I was never a fan of social media. So like, but honestly, I've seen all of those things and Tiffany that she's talking about and, and, and Joe, the stuff that you're talking about and, and, and your passion for people. And I think it's, I'm not as jaded as I used to be in that sense. Like I, there are dangers in those things. I think we can all recognize that, but um, where you basically coming down to like, are you actually being who you are? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it can be used for good in tremendous ways. So, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I don't hate TikTok, but I swore I'd never get a TikTok. And then because of doing user generated content, I got a TikTok so I could learn it. And then a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend go, wait a minute, you're a casting director. You know how many people don't understand what it means to have a good headshot or basics of, of set a kit. What do you do on set? What do you not do? You need to have your TikTok channel, which is kind of dormant, become like pro tips of how to navigate. I was like, oh yeah. So now that Joe has branded my site, that's the next project is, yeah, how can I help someone understand some of these things? So that's a a cool thing that's come out of the branding as well, that I now know better in some ways who I am and what I do and how to be able to get back in ways that I wasn't necessarily willing to embrace before that I'm now ready to tackle head on. So well, I was actually going to say, because Joe and I have known each other a long time, and we I've known you guys a long time as well, and Joe spent a long time working on my site, but what impressed me the most was how he really tried to get at who I was, mm-hmm. not what I do. And so the interesting thing that, and I really want to add this to the conversation, is about being authentic and what people remember about you. Because on social media and even even in the world that we're in, in terms of the business world, we can do something that's fast and easy and looks on the surface as though it would benefit us as professionals. But sometimes that requires that we give away our our authenticity and a part of ourselves in a way that's not necessary, but may feel to young people like it's necessary, kind of selling yourself to the devil. And particularly on social media, we often post things that we think will benefit us in the long run, but they don't honor us in terms of who we are authentically. Mm-hmm. And so it was neat to look at what Joe did and sort of see myself from a, a non sort of um, uh, ambitious perspective, just to see me 
<laughs> and think about, and I tell my students all the time, you have to be honest and authentic with everyone you're around because sometimes people will come to you and ask you to do things that you think will be in your best interest and will propel you up the ladder. But in the end, your spirit will know whether or not that's mm-hmm. true. I think it's yeah. hard for young people to stay authentic and true themselves, particularly with, I think with social media. But when we're talking about marketing and branding, sometimes we put an image out there that we think is what the world wants to see. Yeah. And it doesn't match who we are on the inside. And somehow we're teaching them not to trust that what they are on the, who they are on the inside is beautiful. That's what needs to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of the long game for some people. (laughs) You know, everybody wants immediate gratification. Being authentic and honest is the long game. Maybe that's a part of building your brand and also building your success. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next thing because we've got a few couple more things I want to talk about, at least in this session. And I think we've got enough that we might need to have a second session. (laughs) By the way, with the end, I'll talk to you guys about posting questions and we'll put some links to uh, all of our folks there with us tonight and you can check out what they do. Um, but, we, you know, one of the things we talk about in this business is taking risk. And we feel like we spend our entire career taking risks. But there are some very authentic risks that we have to take as creators when we're setting up our business. And, and uh, what I want to ask you guys about is... How do you feel? What did you think about taking risks? Like, for instance, we were talking before we got on tonight about I took a big risk. I bought a very expensive camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I have learned to use and have been to death. My Shih Tzu actually chewed up my lens cover earlier today. Oh, no. I had a heart attack until I realized that they were cheap and I could find another one. But Anyway, so we all take risks. You know, one of my big risks is learning, letting someone else do my taxes. We talked about taxes earlier, setting up my own LLC and letting an attorney set that up for me at my time. That was what I needed to do. And so, but let's talk about taking risks and let's talk about uh, budgeting for your creative business. I mean, what do you think when you're starting out is on the list of must haves that you need to have when you're starting out in this? (laughs) oh my gosh I'm like who wants to speak first because there's so many some of it depends on what facet or facets you know how diverse you are in your career and what you're focusing on Um, I do think that there are some kind of like no-brainer basics that across the board as an artist you need a well-working laptop is one of them like you need a laptop that's not 10 years old you need something that's going to have fast internet Speaking of which, fast internet, that's one too. That was one that we actually had to take the plunge and get fiber optics this year because our our, um, uh, neighborhood is relatively new. So they hadn't installed fiber optics yet. And we were kind of putting it off and putting off, putting it off. And they finally installed it. And we were like, oh, but it's expensive. And eventually I was just tired of having a one minute video take all night to upload. So we were like, this is this time. We can't function this way anymore. This is our job. We need to do this. So I think like some basics, a really great laptop is really important. Um, you know, good functioning internet. If, if artistry is what you do, if you're posting reels, if you're posting content and stuff like that, it's just really important. Um, again, as an artist, your headshot is your calling card. Like that is absolutely essential. I, I can't even begin to describe as a casting director. I was telling Joe this, trying to help people understand what a good headshot is. And, and it's a matter of when you submit for a, a project, whether it's on stage or on camera, or in voiceover, it's your voiceover reel. 
this person doesn't know you. Most of the time, they don't know you. This is their first impression of you. So you have to look like yourself. You've got to be authentic. You know, it's not supposed to be airbrushed out the wazoo. It's got to look like you. And we, your flaws are something we love, by the way. Like if you have a mole or a scar or freckles, we want to see that because that makes you unique. We don't want something that's airbrushed and looks like glamour shots from the early 90s. Like that's not the trend anymore. You know, let us see who you are. But we want to see who you are and, and it needs to be good quality. Same thing with your reels, whether it's, you know, singing reels or commercial reels or whatever. And if you don't have one, cut one, you know, go get a friend who has a camera or has a really good iPhone and practice some stuff and put it in a reel and learn how to use iMovie and put something together. So, um, yeah, I think if you're doing user generated content and things like that, a really solid iPhone or Samsung or, or like a smartphone is also technology is really important. I guess that's what we're getting at is technology is really important, um, in that too. But on the flip side, like business practice, knowing someone who can help you with taxes and stuff like that is equally important. Uh, and something that we often overlook as artists but so, so, so important because that'll definitely come back to bite you in the butt if you're not yeah. careful. Um, anyway, so there's are a couple of first things that come to mind of like essential things. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Conrad. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to, I was going to say that I think um, knowing your field and knowing what you need for your field, you know, with reels, headshots, but also like I can be a person that is daunted sometimes by that. It'd be like, how much do I need to risk? And I think at some levels, like for a person like me, it's like, okay, just like you need good budget equipment. What do you need? Again, talk to people you trust. Like you can figure it out this way. When I was starting voiceover and trying to buy equipment, I called, um, I found a guy that I really liked his sound. (laughs) And I was like, I talked to several different voiceovers and I was like, what do you use? (laughs) And then I, and then he actually, it wasn't super expensive. And I found, so I kind of talked to several different people. I was like, okay, I can afford to buy this and this, and this is going to give me the best sound for what I need right now. Um, And then I think a part of it too, in addition to like good budget equipment, knowing what you need at, like you were saying, Joe, with your headshot and a reel or something like that, your resume, some really good basic stuff, learn what that is for whatever you're doing. And then a story that comes to mind is, well, a story related to develop and trust your instincts. Cause like, I think we're talking about like, be who you are. Some of that, who we are is like, we have to learn to trust our instincts and we might do something stupid and then we learn from it and grow. (laughs) But I think back to when I was in New York and I was getting into voiceover and I already taken some workshops and things, but I was kind of getting caught in workshop syndrome where I was like taking workshops and I was trying to kind of throw everything against the wall and um, was spreading myself a little thin. And I got a really good callback. I got a really good meeting with uh, with the guy who represents or represented Liam Neeson in voiceovers. It was a really good voiceover agent. And honestly, I wasn't prepared. And the advice that he gave me was, he's like, listen to things online, like, or listen, listen to voiceover spots, voiceover yeah. spots, and you just use your instincts and grow. And I was kind of in this thing where I was like trying to like, just hear so much advice that I hadn't really pared it down. I was like, I know that, like, and I know I have good instincts, you know, I mean, I, I can grow and, you know, so that was really good advice. And he was just like, you have to spend a ton of money, just work, you know? And so I think the simplicity of practice is huge as well. And it shouldn't be minimized and risks. I think, yeah, action cures fear is one of the biggest things that I think has been given to me and uh, that I, that comes back is just like, take a step, 
go do something. What you, and I love what you, I, I want to say that again, what you said about practice, say it again. Yeah. Um, the simplicity of practice can't be overstated. <laughs> and <laughs> the we importance of it. Yeah. tend to try to do too many things, particularly when we're young, we tend to have natural ADD and we want to do all of these different things that we forget. It is this practice. We're going to be practicing more than performing and we don't allow ourselves to practice and bring in that it's that simplicity of putting one thing in rather than 10 things that might stick yeah. just that one thing that becomes profound i like that a lot joe yeah. what do you think yeah i think from the practical standpoint um you know tools that i think you you know kind of must-haves are a good ring light and a good tripod um nowadays with what what we're doing with whether it's user-generated content um, or whether it's you're on a Zoom interview with maybe a theater company, you want to you want to help yourself stand out mm-hmm. um, in some capacity. Tiffany touched on you know having a good camera phone, but nowadays they make. I mean, if you go on Amazon, there's so many companies that are making tripods that have heads, if you will, that you can attach your iPhone or you can attach um, a ring light. Some allow you to attach both at the same time, um, and there are microphones that you can connect to it as well, or have a lapel if you really want to get advanced, but they're all inexpensive. Like, and I say, when I say inexpensive, a hundred dollars, it could get you like a fancy thing. Like I buy tripods sometimes that are not, I have a buddy of mine who's like heavy into the commercials. He's, he's shooting commercials. His gear is way more expensive than mine, but I can still do the same thing for what he's doing for like a third of the cost when I buy it, you know, Amazon basics tripod. Yeah. Um, it does the, the same thing, right. Or, or, or a, a Amazon, you know, ring light that's, you know, an 18, you know, inches one or something. Those are those things that I think are essential for you to have, but something else to know, I think that isn't talked about that. I always tell my students, so many of students who are graduating right now, um, are leaving college with debt, right? And there's there's a big talk in the economy about um, if you don't have parents that are able to help you pay for it, then you take out student loans or maybe you get a scholarship. One of the things that I think is beneficial for people to know is that if you have student loans and you are an artist that works, can work for a nonprofit in some capacity. So where I met Tiffany, for example, at Children's Theater Charlotte, um, they are a nonprofit organization. Because I was able to work for them uh, and many others, you qualify for loan forgiveness. Now you have to do it for 10 years, but you can apply for that loan forgiveness. That's something else to just be self-aware of. So when it comes to like, what are the tools and the must-haves, you may be afraid to say, oh, well, I, I can't afford to do X, Y, and Z because of this. The reality is, is like you can, there are income payment plan, income repayment plans for your student loans that you can qualify for that are are great for you so that you can afford these things. And if you don't know, it's going back to, let me ask somebody who's been through it that may be able to, to help me. But from the other practical standpoints, the light, the camera, you know, you'll eventually get to a point that, hey, let me invest in a, a nicer high-end, you know, 4K camera. But the reality is, is you can put your iPhone on this thing, turn it around and shoot it for yourself and you'll be good to go. Um, yeah, the, those are kind of the thoughts that I have that when it comes to risk, we don't always have to be afraid. Sometimes it's okay to just go for it wisely. Um, I wasn't always wise and I learned from that. Um, but it's, I think sometimes the, I, what I go back to is, is the juice worth the squeeze? 
Um, it's, it's <laughs> a quote that I use, you know. Um, and for me, it's like sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. Anyway, yeah. yeah. That, so that's actually something that we had talked about earlier too, Joe. What you're saying at the end of this is like. Anytime you're looking at a risk, I think this ties in with equipment or just business expansion or getting into something new or whatever, you've got to weigh risk versus gain, or I like to call it risk versus reward. And, you know, when you're starting out, like, okay, example, in January, when I started doing UCG, I had an iPhone 7 and I had one ring light and I had a green screen. And then as I did more work and I earned more work and I became better, then I was able to say, ah, okay, now I'm going to invest back into taking my business up a notch because I have gotten to the point that I have grown to the point that I need to either stay stagnant if I stay here or I need to kick it up a notch. And in order to do that, I have to invest. So I think being self-aware and knowing as you are growing that it's a journey, you're not necessarily going to be, you know, like as voiceover artists, you don't make your demo and then go buy the $5,000 Neumann mic. But you can, but I wouldn't recommend that. You know, buy a Rode. It's a solid microphone. It's very well respected. Yeah. You get, <laughs> yeah, oh, I love our Rode, you know? And then eventually as you work up and you have an agent and you're getting steady jobs and you go, hey, I've been doing this for a couple of years. My, my level of reward is now saying it's time for me to take an expansion. I'm going to take the risk to take the next step because it makes sense. And I think being self-aware is important. I think also having counsel is important. Like, don't be afraid to ask people around you that are further down the road or colleagues to say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about this? What did you do? Same thing that Conrad said. Go online and find people that are doing what you want to be doing and send them an email and ask them, how did you get to be where you are? Tell me your story, you know, to learn again, that's that collaboration thing. Learn from the people around you. And it's okay to not be ready to take that risk. Take the baby risk, then take the next risk, take the next risk. And over time, you'll continue to grow, but it's a journey and it's a process. And so don't look the whole fear thing analysis paralysis like we we can be so caught in analyzing every single little thing that we're not willing to take a risk take a little one you know start with a little one that matches where you're growing to and then continue to grow from there it's not always about jumping off the cliff you know you got ladder steps one step at a time you know and eventually you'll be at the top of the ladder because you've grown there so i actually was thinking about this the other day, because I love this. Uh, I think it's an Eleanor Roosevelt quote where she say, I endeavor to do something every day, which I'm afraid. Mm. That quote has led me for a lot of years. And so <laughs> right now I'm in this fitness journey and I'm about to do a Spartan race. And what some people don't know is I'm, I have actually planned a year from January to do the Iceland race, which is a 24 hour race, which scary. Uh, stuff, but I'm 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 training towards it, and I think that's probably when I'm talking about taking risks. One of the things that I think it's important is we are constantly preparing as artists to do the next thing, mm -hmm. and sometimes we just have to be comfortable with being in a state of discomfort. It's just what we do. It's not like having a job at the way. Even jobs in corporations now are not givens. We can lose those in a heartbeat as well. But you know. Basically, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. But I think there are a couple of things you guys have said. One is that I think mentorship is important. Seek out your mentors, ask questions. We're here now for you. I'm going to post links mm -hmm. uh, at the end of this that we're, you're going to be able to get in contact with us and seek out your mentors. We're all here to help you. But I think also just practical things. There are things that I shy away from that I'm scared of, like math. So what... <laughs> 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> I found somebody who knew how to do my taxes and I just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this. The first time I paid my own health insurance in 25 years was three months ago. <laughs> I had sticker shock. But I also knew that it was a necessity. I needed to invest in it. And so I think there's a risk with everything we do. Um, so I know we've been at this a little while. So I want to ask you guys, because we can come back. And I would really, what I really like to do, if you guys are game, is talk about things like pa uh, partnerships with the corporations, partnerships with civic partnerships, and how what we do can tie into those partnerships and help what we do get our message out, not just in terms of profitability, but just in terms of where our hearts lie. And, and how, do we, how do we form partnerships, much like we have all done? How do we form honest partnerships that we really think can feed what we do and also uh, you know, get us out there and working. So I would love to talk about that. And I know I've got somebody I want to join us who knows a lot about, she actually has her degree in arts administration, knows a lot about sort of the ins and outs legally of how this works. And so I'd love to get her looped into that. But to close off our conversation, what do you guys want to add to this whole conversation about, you know, entrepreneurship in the creative economy, where you are now, what's your best piece of advice? <laughs> I think work hard and take care of yourself because I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's come to our minds is that we have been really busy. And, and I think the importance of going back to some of the stuff we said before about be who you are, I think if take care of who you are. So mm -hmm. um, learn those things that feed your soul and do them. And, you know, that's, that's a journey that we've been on. And so as you take a risk and then you invest, if it pays off, then you need to also balance that, make sure you're not spending too much time, investing to the point where you start losing who you are. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing. To yeah. Do. I think I would agree with Conrad and I would think of it in two different ways. And we've actually already touched on this. I, I love the whole phrase of, yes, I'm a performer and I'm a casting director and an actor and I'm a whatever. Yes, I am those things, but that's what I do. That's not who I am. You know, and I think it's really important to remember that, yes, we're performers, but that's mm -hmm. my identity is not I'm first and foremost a performer. My identity is I'm Tiffany Renee Bear. I am a lover of Cirque du Soleil, Disney, Masterpiece Theater. I'm a cat mom. I'm a wife. I love boba tea. You know, uh, all of these other things are who I am. That just happens to come to life through what I do, which is create, you know, is, I'm a creator. Um, so I think that that's really important to know who you are and your identity outside of just your work and your field. I think it's so easy, especially as artists, because it's so wrapped up in who we are, uh, that it becomes our identity and it becomes very unhealthy. And that kind of goes into what Connor was saying with the work-life balance. Um, I think especially when you're performing full-time or um, you're doing anything that's freelance, especially you're juggling auditions, you're juggling a survival job. You, as soon as you book one job, you're looking for the next one. If you have representation, they're the ones that are booking you the next job, but you're still running around all over the place. And it can be very easy to become so all consumed by the field and by the work that you forget to live, you know, in, in an effort to create a life for yourself as a performer, you really kind of let life pass you by. And I, I remember and think back to, especially times when we weren't here at Sight and Sound and had, you know, year long contracts where I was freelancing and constantly looking for auditions. And it was, I got to a point where it was like, I can't take a vacation because what if 
uh, a really big audition comes up or what if my agent calls the job and I don't want to say no to it. So I, I just didn't do stuff. And that's so incredibly unhealthy. Um, and even for us at the theater, like we're very blessed that they give us PTO and they're like, guys, get out of the building, go take a vacation, go take a staycation. We took three days and we stayed home and just did stuff around the house. And it was probably the best thing we've done all year. It was just so nice to have some downtime to step away from what we do and remember that's not my identity. You know, I'm so much more than this that, and remember to live, have hobbies, um, build your relationships. Don't lose sight of your friendships, things like that. Like, please make sure to have that work-life balance. And, and I know it's so hard when you're building, you know, your career, but uh, it's so, so, so important. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that I would add to that, just as like a, Hey, remember this, it, it, Tiffany touched on it at the very end. People, you know, I, I've talked about it already, but people matter. And I think moments like tonight remind me and rejuvenate, um, my desire for not just the work, but for just human connection. Um, you know, the, the, the disadvantage the pandemic did is it isolated so many of us and it affected our mental health, uh, I think in ways. And I think that's a whole other conversation that we can eventually talk about. But I think it's so important to pick up the phone or jump on a FaceTime with other people. It doesn't always have to just be about like, hey, what are you working on? But it could just be about how are you, right? Like how how's life? I have a friend of mine in Birmingham that we, you know, we send each other texts pretty regularly, or um, I have a, a buddy of mine, my best friend that I'll send Instagram or TikTok videos to. And you think like, oh, well, what is this? But it clears your mind from the work and, and the just everything, the grind that you're doing. Um, so just remembering to, as Conrad and Tiffany talked about, to be able to just pause um, everything that you're doing, whether it's stay, a staycation or just going back and connecting with people and saying, how's life? How's your mom? You know, one of the things I do with Marianne is we each check on each other. We're both dealing with aging mothers and it's like, how great it's, we're both working in our business, but how's your mom doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And asking those real questions. It's for me, it's very fulfilling and encouraging to have friends that I can collaborate with that we're creating art, but also just caring about each other. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that's, a, yeah, I guess the piece of advice that I have. I love that, guys. It's been, I think, probably the thing that sums it up with all of you is being intentional with ourselves and being intentional with one another, because sometimes time will pass before we've seen each other. But every time we reconnect each of us, I think we're intentional with one another and intentional with ourselves when we have our time and with those we love. So I think that's a huge part of self-healing, because any career, I think, can take it out on you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I, want, I would love it if you guys would join us again to talk about some practicality in terms of uh, making those partnerships happen again the next time. But I just want to thank you all for joining us tonight. And if you guys are great, and if you guys are watching, we're going to post links, all these beautiful people that you see tonight. You're going to have links to their websites and some information about what they're doing professionally. And also, we'll have a place where you can log in some questions if you have some questions of us tonight. So anyway... We are so thrilled you joined us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. That's yeah, a, thanks for having our us. Our pleasure. Yeah. It was great. See you. Yeah. <laughs>